Goodness gracious, that's so delicious. And that's Barbara when I love Barbara. <laughs> she was probably 25 years old when she recorded that album. And uh, without, uh, 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 with a bit of controversy because she was a young Jewish girl, you know, doing a Christmas album. But she kept the religious songs on one side and the secular songs on the other side, so it all worked out. But anyway, welcome everybody to the Daily Evolver it's Friday, December 15th, 2017, and I am happy to be with you today. This is the last of um, the 2016 shows. We're going to take three weeks off and come back January 8th with a new series, uh, three day a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, live on Integral Life and live on Integral Live, which is the television station at Integral Life. And I'm um, here with the editor-in-chief editor of Integral Life, and that is Corey DeVos. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? Doing great. Good. Good to see you with your hat on. <laughs> Good to see you with the uh, stockings on the mantle. Ho, ho, ho. Feeling the spirit, baby. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and in that spirit, uh, we're both very happy to have with us an old friend and... Um, and somebody who we've learned a lot from. Uh, it's John Foreman. And John has been a uh, part of our Integral community since way back in the Integral Institute days, I think 13, 14 years ago now. Mm. So welcome, John. Good to be here, Jeff and Corey. Good to see you. Yes, indeed. Well, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny thinking of you, John, because um, I knew you back. I get that a lot. You, well... <laughs> It's been a while, you know, we actually yeah. have a long relationship. Yeah. Um, but it, it actually, my mind just uh, flashed to one of the sort of, I don't know, highlights slash lowlights of our relationship, which, which <laughs> would know each other four or five years ago in California at a conference. And you gave me some of the most intense Scottish, what was it? Uh, it was a single malt. A single malt scotch. Yeah. God bless yeah, the 16 and of tame. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Uh, and I remember it tasted like the, 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 the country road in front of my house when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's sign. How, that's how we know there's a God and that she loves us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's nice to have you back. Uh, 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 the, uh, the Daily Evolver as a father, yeah, Foreman. Yeah. And in case you didn't notice the caller, John has become a priest, Episcopal priest. He's a rector at the St. Elizabeth Church in Burien, Washington. And uh, John, why don't you just uh, fill us in a little bit about how you moved from hotshot business consultant to <laughs> hotshot priest? Oh, well, you flatter me, which I appreciate. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things, it's, it's the kind of job that you don't decide you're going to go do, it's the kind of job that comes and gets you. Um, you know, this, I, I noticed a calling in high school, um, and just put it off and put it off and put it off, because, you know, I, parishes eat priests. Um, it's a stupid job, 
You know, it's just, it's thankless and it's difficult and on down the list. Um, but there was just a series of, of events, um, some of which kind of broke loose um, spending time with Ken. Really? Um, some of, Ken of, Wilbur. Yeah, Ken Wilbur. Ken, Ken sort of managed, I don't think intentionally, but, you know, maybe, uh, batted away in a whole number of my excuses that I was clinging to so dearly. <laughs> Interesting. And then there was a series of sort of personal events, which, you know, would take longer than you want now um that sort of persuaded me i needed to look into it and once i started that was about the same time we met um and it took uh it took a series of of steps lengthy formation um five years in a jesuit seminary um and you know so here i am uh ordained and in charge of a, a small but growing parish just south of seattle um and you know, it's everything I was concerned about was is, is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, also what I didn't know, and and what I couldn't have known, I don't think, was just the 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 phenomenal, um, good fortune, the good blessing of being able to crack things open for people, mm-hmm. of being able to say, "Do you know that this is what this is talking about? You know, this is available to you. Did you have yeah. any idea?" It's yeah. astonishing. Well, that's always what I uh, remember about you back when we were doing the seminars. And of course, you were part of the business seminars that we were doing. And I would, uh, you know, I would listen to your, your, your teachings and they were always, I would always think they were more like homilies. You know, they had these larger lessons. There was always a a sort of an idea of faith and service and surrender. And those are all lovely and appropriate expressions of integral business. It's actually Mm -hmm. right evolutionarily on schedule. But I still remember thinking to myself, this guy ought to be a preacher. (laughs) Yeah. Well, turns out I was one of the last to find out. (laughs) Uh, Well, fair enough. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that is of course always interesting to me. And I think my listeners were always, you know, what's next? How are things evolving? You know? Yeah. And, um, and, and so here you are, you're working in an Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And if we just look really quickly and locate what you're doing on the quadrants, yeah. so you're in the lower right, mm-hmm. you're in Episcopal church, which is a denomination that is well-established as part of the mainline church. I think we could argue that it, 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 once it's ready for a new sort of invigoration, you know, as mm-hmm. the mainline is, Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have the the lower left. You have the the culture of the people, and so mm-hmm. you're dealing with people who are coming to church for all kinds of reasons, yeah. and at all kinds of with all kinds of worldviews. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you're probably skewing to the liberal and modernist, but you have the, the people have their sort of traditional strata that is more or less online. Oh yeah, and, and that's a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. And what I have loved about your teachings and your sermons, which you send me every week, uh, <laughs> is that you emphasize this idea of the present indwelling spirit or God that, that's more of an experience than it is a belief mm-hmm. and, and a, a sort of a capital R realization. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be really, I, I'm, 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 I am myself attracted to that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet you're doing it in a Christian context. Mm-hmm. 
And so let, let's just work with that a little bit and, and I guess start where we are here at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, this what is a the, beautiful story that is and how do yeah. you work with it? Yeah, it's, you know, so, so the notion of what people bring to church, you know, you have to be aware that there are some folks for whom the, the mythology is still fairly new. So there's just telling the story which is important and essential. And that's, that's sort of our great treasure, these phenomenal stories. So we do a little of that. Um, now, on, on my side, of the, the Catholic side of the house, we're, we're um, in the middle of Advent. And Advent is its own season. So we do something a little different than, a, than other denominations do. And this is, I think, useful for people coming in and sort of engaging the mythology for the first time, but it's also really useful for those folks who are sort of exploring past postmodernism. It has to do with how do you set up the, the incarnation, which is what we call the Christmas. That's the feast of the incarnation. So Advent, we spend time talking about this is, you know, what's coming into this world. First, we have to kind of see what's real, what's really going on. John, is Advent a day? I know it's a season, but is there yeah. an actual delineation of time? And what is that? Yep. Yeah, they are, there are the four Sundays of Advent before Christmas. Okay. And each kind of has a theme. So, you know, the, the, the one that's coming, the one I'm currently writing a sermon for, is what we call Gaudete Sunday. And it's the Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. And it's, we, we've been moving through the darkness which is kind of hard for some folks. You know, this is Christmas. We're supposed to be, well, yes, but we're going to acknowledge that we live in a very strange world, and a lot of it is very dark, and there's a tremendous amount of hatred, and there's a tremendous amount of division, and all of that can be overwhelming. But there's something shining in it. And that's sort of the key. So we, we relax into the darkness for four weeks uh, and, and allow it to just kind of become very palpable for us. It's, it, it's a difficult time for people. Let's acknowledge that. Not everybody has a great, exciting Christmas to look forward to. Um, so let's spend some time with that. Yeah. And John, let me just interrupt to just read your yeah. own words to you. Because yeah. <laughs> I, you wrote something that I loved. And it's so awesome. appropriate to this, what you're saying right now. And you say that, um, I think you set it up by saying something like, people often feel like they're praying into a void. Yeah, And that over the course of our personal faith development, we inevitably come to phases marked by the excruciating pain of God's apparent absence. Mm. When we feel as though God has abandoned us in the dark, we can return to our prayer and this, to our practice and to our prayer. And then I love this, the last sentence here. We can prepare for the discovery of a larger, more astonishing God on the other side of the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want. Yeah. Well, there it is. I just don't want the darkness part. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. One of the things about we call it Gaudete Sunday. It's Latin, which means rejoice. So we give ourselves this little Sunday break. And as a reminder that, that we're rejoicing even in the darkness and, and there's something, so we'll talk specifically about the difference between joy and happiness or, you know, so joy comes from that experience of profound loss and grief and people who have developed in their spirituality so that they actually have gone through that period of really 
feeling God's absence, there's something really amazing that happens when you notice you're feeling the absence. You're feeling God's absence. That's God. It's God in the negative. Mm-hmm. It's astonishing. It's this yearning that, uh, why can't I feel you? Why can't, why can't I notice you? Why aren't you filling my heart anymore? Why? The yearning is so deeply within you now that you're in love with God's absence. And so wow. we, that's the, the ability to, to notice that is what stimulates joy. And that's, mm-hmm. that's slightly different than happiness. I mean, it's not entirely off, but there's something that allows you to say, especially when you give it to other people, mm-hmm. people going through divorces, loss of children, loss of income, loss of jo- loss of homes all over mm-hmm. California, Puerto Rico. There are people who have this season experienced just tremendous confusing loss. Well, there are other people who've been through that who can say there's still light in it. There's still mm-hmm. joy in it. It's not the same as being satisfied or happy, but there's something in it that you can cling to. There's still, there is some hope. Mm-hmm. So then we come to the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is Christmas itself, right? Well, that's actually the Sunday after. Uh, this, this year okay. it's a little confusing because it's, the fourth Sunday is also right. Christmas Eve. Right. So we got to get some, so we get joy. Yes. <laughs> but do we get Mary? I mean, do we get, uh, you know, I mean, is, is there? We do. Yeah. Okay, we cool. Do. Tell us. We do. That. So that, that, that noticing, I mean, being able to point out all along Advent that this light is coming into the world. Yeah. On Christmas, we get to celebrate that light. Yes. And it starts with re- telling the story again. You know, yes. here's Mary, and there's there's some uh, amazing ways to to engage. Actually, some of the social sciences to go back and say this myth itself can be unpacked. Just if you know what was going on in Jerusalem and Bethlehem in the at, at the first couple of years of Jesus's life, there's mm-hmm. some amazing things that actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so unpack some of that for us, because it's such a beautiful story, you know, well, Mary you know, we, and Joseph and yeah. the wise men and the shepherds and the manger. My goodness. All of that is gorgeous. And all of it has been sort of, um, it, it, it gets moved into a, a form of mythology that's difficult to access. And so there's people outside the church, especially, who just think it's, it's just sort of an interesting story, if, if that. Um, and there are some moments that you can kind of come back and say, well, so there are some things that are interesting that we need to kind of tend to. And one of them is that, you know, Joseph was royalty. When, we, when he went back to Nazareth, or when he was royalty, uh, or when, we, when he went back to Bethlehem. And so when we talk about there being no room at the inn, it's not quite the way that we portray it here in the United States where he's in this little stable. I mean, there's no, there's no sheds like that in Bethlehem. <laughs> okay. The way people lived and some people still do is in a house that has access. There's a, there's a, uh, an area of the house, the lowest part of the house where they keep the animals. Right. And just up above a ledge, there's a little place, a little divot in the stone where they put hay. That's the manger, uh-huh. but it's part of the house. Right. So, there's a there's a room in those places that have means up at the very top of the house, and that's the inn. That's the place that they're talking about. So they would have had guests there already, but Joseph and his betrothed, so she was his wife, Joseph and his betrothed show up, 
And anybody in the world who told anybody in that town who told him, you don't have a place here, that would just be shocking. So what actually happened is he, he went to the home of his family and probably had women tending to Mary until she gave birth to this child who was warm and loved and inside the house with these animals who are also inside the house, mm. simply because there were other guests in the upper room. But they're all together as family. So there's a way in which we don't have to beat people up about, you know, look at all these shameful people who didn't let him in. Right. Well, yeah, that's... It, it becomes a, a sort of a heroic story. Makes it a better story. Yeah. Well, it becomes, <laughs> I mean, you're ruining it, John. <laughs> well, but here's, here's the beauty of it. it. What it points to is, is the deeper miracle of that kind of receptivity in a loving family, that, that there, is, there are places where a person could go and give birth to a baby who wasn't, you know, part, part of an, a fully completed marriage and be welcomed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was how he began. And that's just one story. That's not the same as the other story. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with this, with your congregation? And how do you, uh, how how does the Episcopal Church more in general, and Mm -hmm. what do you see as being, you know, the future of Christmas or, you know, the the way that we would understand it, maybe a more integral view? Uh, And mainly, how do you work with it with your people? Yeah, well, I guess the, the the shorthand architecture is is it's it's guiding people through that their own ability to puncture the duality. You know, there's there's you you go through a whole sequence. You know, you folks know up and down the up and down the spiral um, where that duality is is it gets increasingly thinner, and at some point, people are able to kind of poke through it, and that's what you want. So so you can tell the myths with tremendous love for them. And I do, I love these mm-hmm. stories. They're gorgeous, but they have to be told open-ended. You know, mm-hmm. they have to, you have to remind people, you know, this is how it probably happened. And this is how probably the first Jews, and this is a Jewish story to begin with. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. This is how they would have heard the story. And that's interesting. Now let's talk about how, what that means for you. And so for Christmas in particular, if it's just a story about a little boy who was born 2,000 years ago uh, and went on to become famous, you know, that's, that's fine. But it's not as nourishing as the reminder that the, all of that is, is almost pointless unless it happens in you too. You know, that, that the whole notion of the incarnation, with the incarnation has the word carne in it, it's meat. It's the enfleshment of spirit. This is the beginning of punching through that duality. Mm-hmm. You are not other than God. You are not God yourself. <laughs> You're not other than. So to be able to say to people, Jesus the Christ was a unique child of God. God manifested in this child uniquely and became Jesus. Uh, God also manifested uniquely in another child who became Jeff Salzman. And God also manifested uniquely in another child, Corey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this notion of God is, you are a manifestation of God. Mm-hmm. You're not other than God. Mm-hmm. So if this, if this feast of this incarnation doesn't sort of blow your mind a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> and remind you, mm-hmm. there, if, if you think of the term Christ, the anointed one, 
uh, you can translate that as the consciousness of God. Mm-hmm. That's the second person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too too technical here, but if if the consciousness of God is alive in you, if that's what you are giving birth to, then mm-hmm. you're doing what you were put here to do, mm-hmm. and you uniquely. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be giving the gifts that Jesus gave because he was unique. Mm-hmm. Jeff Salzman has gifts that are unique to Jeff Salzman that must be given or they aren't present in the world. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. You cool. can feel your heart band just hearing, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's so true. So what do you think, Corey? Is this, are you steeped in this story? And, and is this... Yeah, well, you know, with, I, I grew up with the story. So, you know, I, I had sort of a childhood Sunday school background going to a Protestant church with my grandmother, which was very stark. And, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, sort of the Northeast Protestantism uh, that, I was, uh, that I was exposed to was very different than the Catholic tradition that I actually find myself sort of attracted to as, as an adult. Um, but, you know, I, I think one of the things I'm curious about, John, is, you know, I... I I really love and appreciate your style of teaching where you can, you can enact these stories in such a way that they're very evocative. They evoke powerful inner states. They, they evoke, um, you know, sort of a deeper wisdom, a deeper compassion. And it seems like for a lot of um, American Christianity, that can be difficult to do. And that can even be sort of rubbing against the grain in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious when it, when it comes to your congregation. Well, let me let me sort of expand a bit. You know, Ken Ken Wilber has talked to Paul Smith about uh-huh. his own sort of integral approach um, mm-hmm. to to his own ministry. And you know, Paul talks about you know when I went from from amber to modern, that cut my you know that cut my congregation in half. And then when I went to you know sort of green, that cut it in half again. And then I went to integral, and that cut it up. You know, now I'm yeah. talking to about seven people yeah. <laughs> at a time. Um, but it seems like you're, you're taking a slightly different approach where you're mm-hmm. I call it sort of the Pixar approach where you're telling, you're telling a story among multiple bandwidths simultaneously yeah. so that re- regardless where you are in your own sort of journey, there's, mm-hmm. there's something there for you and it'll, it'll enact something beautiful for you. Um, I, I guess I'm just curious about your experience with that and, and sort of how, how people receive that. Yeah, well, yeah, good question. <laughs> I, my, my, you know, maybe uh, a little intemperate response is that it, uh, some of that is sort of, I think, what was my unique gift to give. Yeah. Some yeah. of it was the reason that I'm where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't help but do it. I have, I have such a love for everything back down the spiral that I don't, I don't dissect it that way. Right. I, I pay attention to, I mean, I've got people in my parish who they want to pray for Donald Trump because they can't understand why people are being so unkind to him and why they won't support him. And I've got people who want to pray for Donald Trump because they think he's bull goose loony. Right. Um, so the, the advantage of an Episcopal expression in the world is that we don't insist that you think one specific way. We're, we're surprisingly, I mean, it sounds a little odd, but we're more interested in your behavior. Mm. So we come together in the liturgy to have this Eucharist. What that means to you personally is exactly that. It's that's between you and God. And, and you know, I can, I can guide you in some of that. I can give you some places to read, some things to think about. I can challenge you in some specific ways. Uh, finding another person's cosmic address, that's a one-on-one thing. Right. 
and how, you know, how do I need to support you where you are? Is this a, is this a move of translation or is this a move of kind of explaining what it is that you're noticing in the next level? Mm -hmm. uh, so all that's very useful, but what we do together is have this meal. So that, that already kind of gives us a, a, a leg up. The other thing that, that when you talk about this meal, you're talking about the communion um, or Eucharist. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's every Sunday. Every Sunday. And that is a collective communal experience of this yeah. dwelling of God that you yeah. talk so much about and are so beautifully about. Well, and it is, I mean, in a sense, it, it is literally the intake of God. I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you, you're, dr you're drinking the... You're the, the poetic? <laughs> it's not just poetic for us. <laughs> no, right on. I mean, it really is taking in Aww. the presence of God that's, that is um, especially concentrated in the bread and wine, in the blessed bread and wine. Yeah. Um, and it's not only there. I mean, we, I'm, I'm kind of fond of telling people that you have to be able to find, before you can find God everywhere, you have to be able to find God somewhere. That's kind of what we offer in the Eucharist. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's, so, so our, our liturgy looks a lot more like Roman Catholicism, but the theology is a lot more like the Orthodox Church. So we're kind of uniquely posited there between the two. And uh, what's the difference? Uh, what would be the Orthodox flavor versus the Catholic flavor? The, the Orthodox have done an exceptional job of maintaining the mystery. Hmm. You know, they, they, they protect that so carefully. There's some, there's some points where we're, I mean, they're just deal breakers. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the, well, there's, you know, they won't ordain women. They don't even talk about it. Um, they still practice that when they bless the, the bread and wine, it's done behind a screen. And, you know, I mean, there's some things that, excuse me, that we just, we don't do. Right. Um, okay. And it's, it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's just, that's, that's how you do it. And this is how we do it. And that's, mm -hmm. we can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, our ritual, we get a lot of Roman Catholics who miss what they consider the old ritual of the Roman Catholic Church. And I, I kind of smile at that because that's where the Episcopal Church came from. And its, its roots go all the way back to the first century. So you get this, this Celtic flavor to it, and you get this especially Benedictine flavor to it um, that people resonate with. Mm -hmm. Now, if you marry the ancient liturgy with a little bit more, and I mean, you know, I don't want to offend anybody with a little bit more progressive theology, a little bit more of the best of Orthodox theology. There's this really fascinating thing that comes together. Yeah. You get this, this experience of God outside of time interacting with us in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're not all that fascinated with, you know, paying attention. We don't worship a book. We worship a God. You know, mm -hmm. the, we, we're, not, we're not all that fascinated with paying attention to what some, somebody captured in stone. 2,000 years ago, that, that to me is worshiping a dead God from the past. Right. Those words come alive in the present if you're listening for God here and in the future. Mm -hmm. Something happens to them. Mm -hmm. It's a little different. Wow. So we, we take the Bible seriously, but not literally. Or I push people and say, if you want to go literal, let's really do it. Go all the way back to the Hebrew and experience how slippery that language is. Yeah. Tell me this is what God said. <laughs> right. Well, here's, what, here's something from one of your sermons, John, that I love that's so appropriate to what you're saying. <laughs> uh, you're talking about the, the, this present abides within us, this mm. Shekinah, is it? The Shekinah, yeah, the Shekinah. presence of God, yeah. the, the glory of God. 
The glory of God, I love that. It dwells within us and we within it. That divine abiding, the indwelling of God, this is eternal life. It's an act of presence, the Shekinah, at the center of our being, and it gives us eternal life. And then the last little paragraph. Right here in this morning's liturgy is life eternal. Here in this moment, God's presence beyond all time and place mystifies our senses. I love that as a verb, mystifies our senses in this specific moment in time in this particular place. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really. I, I, I'm stealing from some of the best thinkers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, just a beautiful transmission. And, and to the degree that you could actually pull that off uh, with people in a reliable way and, and actually pull in, if you'll pardon the expression, the karma of 2000 years of, you know, people doing that. Yeah. That starts to get juicy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, and it's it, it again. It's the the role of a priest is to to allow themselves to be used. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not up to me. It's I mean, this, this is coming up in next week's next Sunday's gospel. It's it's John the Baptizer saying it isn't about me, but it's about the light that's greater than I am. Now I can show you some of that, but it isn't me. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Well, you know what. What's exciting to me about it is that, you know, I know that if we're going to move forward here in, in a spiritual line mm-hmm. collectively, I mean, the leading, I mean, we, we got to get juicy again. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, we, I, I think modernity had to ring out the mythic, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, they threw the baby out with bat water and that's all probably right on schedule. But we have to get juicy again. And, and I think of, you know, even when you were talking about at the beginning of our call that despite the wreckage of mm. this life on earth, and, and some of us experience it more than others, mm-hmm. there is that always that light. There's always that something. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's an off-told, that's a deep spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually is a truth of emergence. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what emergence is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just just to, just to add a layer on there, you know what I again what I love about your approach, um, John, is that you you en- you enliven this in such a way that it actually shifts your relationship with God. It shifts your relationship from you know for me sort of a default relationship I've had with God is as sort of an object of belief. You know, mm-hmm. I was taught as a child yeah. the qualities of God. You have to believe in these qualities. You have to you know mm-hmm. respect these qualities. Whereas the transition I think you help people make is, is relating to God as sort of a, a poetry in motion. God is a verb, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's, that Jeff, I think creates that linkage with that more progressive. Like if we want to adapt and evolve our way out of, you know, all the sort of new challenges that we're faced with right now, having that sort of on God as an ongoing moment to moment emergent process, it, it feels to me more you know, it pulls us into the future, whereas God as sort of a fixed object of belief can act as an evolutionary drag in a certain kind of sense. It has. It can almost be an anchor. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, it can. I mean, you got you to gotta teach people how to make that shift from belief in to trust in, which is yeah. actually what the word refers to. Yes. Right. It, it's not a list of attributes that you agree and check a box. Yes, I think that's true. I think that's not what it is. Right. It's trusting the mystery. It's letting go of what you absolutely know to be certain just long enough to say that might be, 
And now I'm just going to fall back into the arms of reality and trust that I'll be caught in some way. Mm. And that's horrifying and difficult unless somebody is there saying, oh, no, let me show you how to do this. Mm-hmm. There is a way to, to fall back that you will be amazed at what catches you. And, I, and let me also just say, so that it's not, you know, I mean, this really isn't about me. All of my professors, almost universally, would wring their hands over what gets taught as the church is teaching. They would all say, I don't know where people are getting this crap. <laughs> that's, really? that's not what we're teaching. There, there is no, those people are out and these people are in. The astonishing thing is, everybody's already totally in. Yeah. God just loves you all, and there's a yeah. full stop right there. Yeah. What humanity does is try and wiggle in something in the, between the full stop and loves you. Yeah. you know, so God loves you unless you, or God loves you, you know, and only if you're a, no. It's just complete and total love that's so astonishing you can't get a hold of it. Full stop. Right. Well, that would be a sort of a, 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 a nice super container for dealing in our polarized time. You well, know. yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> yeah. Because you talked about the people who would pray for Trump in the various ways. There's probably some people who are smiting Trump. Oh, yeah. Cursing. yeah. No, I'm just, what's the opposite of prayer? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I honestly, I've had to talk to a couple of my parishioners about the danger of praying horrible things happening to, to anybody. <laughs> oh, really? you know? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the ways that you feed the dark side in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. As that person, you know, especially the one we're talking about, he didn't care. Yeah. You know, no, he, that's, 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 pray all sorts of horrible that's, things for it. It doesn't do that. That's kind of the funny thing is you can have radical, unconditional love and you can have discernment, right? Yeah. You, can, you can have a, an unconditional love for Donald Trump while also still believing he is the incarnation of all seven deadly sins simultaneously. <laughs> like there's, no, there's no hypocrisy there. Well, no, here's, and here's where I would take that. Here's where I would take that. There, there is something really important about noticing. God utterly and totally loves this man that I find so difficult to even, even like. <laughs> that's the difference between me and God. Yeah. But that's the lesson for me. Right. If God loves this man unconditionally and totally and thoroughly, okay, that's something for me to notice. He's another child of God, like I am. I have my flaws. I have, and those are the things that I can deal with. So what am I doing if he's putting things into the world that are counter- to, you know, mutual respect and on down the list, then what am I doing to counter that in my immediate environment? Yeah. That's that's what I can do to respond to it. That's one of the things we can say that's positive about the Trump era is that he's a spectacularly good, bad example, (laughs) you know, and uh, and it's actually the, the, the sort of the resistance, not in this, that sort of political sense, but just the, the modern world saying, wait a second, Mm-hmm. You know, just the modern mindset saying, wait a second, there's, yeah. I, 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 so I, I'm taking some faith in that. Yep. Well, there's uh, a line in scripture about that, that you know, the, the sins that you forgive are forgiven and the sins you retain are retained. And there's a way in which people think that's, you know, well, clergy get to bless you and then all of your sins go away. Well, no, that's not it. That's not, we're not doing magic here. It It has to do with the sins that you release, if you release the strands of somebody else's bad behavior on their influence on you, that's 
release, that's forgiving them. It's not, it's not condoning them. It's forgiving them. I like that. Say that if again. You, if you retain those. The strings you talk about. Yeah, so. there's they're strands of other people's guilt that we hang on to desperately. Those are the sins that are retained. Yeah. Not by the person who sinned, but by you. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I hate to say this in a way, but when I think of Trump or the, when I see him in the TV in some circumstances, I feel a little bit infected. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, it's actually that's a useful and helpful uh, formulation. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll pluck those little strands. I mean, it, it plucks them in me. I notice those starting to resonate when I, I, I can only listen to him talk for so long. <laughs> then I have to say, oh, okay, I have to go to confession uh, again. The Lord works in mysterious <laughs> ways, John, Father John. <laughs> so, uh, I want to, uh, hell, we're 30. Um, let me just uh, wrap up with uh, sort of a thought around integral. You know, mm. if we, and I just want to sort of continue this idea of, so what's the next thing, you know, yeah. in terms of you, you've got this uh, tradition that goes back all this way and it really is organized around protecting the mystery. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, yeah. you don't have, yeah. you, you, that, that carries forward very, very nicely. Yep. You know, I mean, I could even say that that carries forward in the upper right quadrant. There's an energy mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's not just consciousness. It's yeah. energy. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and, and sort of, an, I always thought that, uh, I don't know if I always thought, but it occurs to me as I think about the evolutionary view, that evolution itself is a spiritual path. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can see, you know, science shows us this. Absolutely. Path, actually. It doesn't negate it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So I think there's some integration that can happen here that you're, Probably doing it on the sly, maybe, uh, you know, but uh, maybe overtly. But I mean, do you talk about that? Is there any evolutionary view in the among the clergy in the back room or, you know, what? <laughs> how's that? Well, I kind of wish it worked that way, but it doesn't really. really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, first off, you got to remember Darwin was an Anglican, so he's, he's one of our guys. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Even he has his own feast day. We love the guy. Yeah. Um, and, and just the sciences in general. So there's a, there's I, mean, I got to stop you. You have yeah. a feast day for Darwin. We do. Okay. Well, Hey, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, but it's been that way for, I mean, it's been that way for decades. Really? Yeah. Well, I've learned something. That's fantastic. The, the, the Anglican, well, the Episcopal church, parts of it, let's say. Uh, it's not universal and it's not the Anglican communion universally, but we've always been kind of fascinated Along with the Jesuits, the Jesuits are their whole approach to life is if it's true, it's of God. Mm. So why be afraid of it? Right. Oh, you know, if nice. if the if the universe opens itself to an astrophysicist or to a social scientist or to a psychologist or to a pharmacist, mm-hmm. then then why be afraid of that? Why not embrace it? Because it's helpful. It's true. It's of God. It's good and it's beautiful. Oh. Go for it. It's it. It's an expansion. You know, the, to be afraid of, of the way that other people love each other. You know, that, that's one of the, the, that's what's driving people away from the church. We're still arguing over things that my daughters in their 20s are so over. It's, it's literally repelling. You guys are it, it still... Is, but it's also encouraging to know that... Exactly. You know, that's the, exactly the younger right. generation, it's like, oh, forget it, please. But you do get to point out to people that if love is of God, if God is love 
then interesting expressions of love that aren't what I experience. That's an experience of God that I don't have access to other than talking to people who have it. It should be interesting to me. You know, a transsexual person, gay people, people who are uh, intersexual. I mean, all of the different varieties of expression and orientation. Yeah. When pe- those people find love, I'm interested in that because that's an experience of God that I don't have. But I want to know about it. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is. Yeah. And why be afraid of it? You know, unless you're one of those people who has those dreams at night, you can't quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, development shows us some of that. But there comes a time where you're not afraid of it anymore. You just, right. it's boring to be afraid of it anymore. You start getting curious and interested. Yeah. You know, what do they know that I won't, don't? And I want Exactly. You so, know? and you just named the opposite of trust is fear. Yeah. That's, that's what we're, const- that's what we're battling. That's what yeah. we're trying to push away. We're mm-hmm. saying in, in the world that is full of fear, you can learn to trust. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, uh, kind of, it's sort of driving towards a, a, a form of mysticism that can be more, I don't know, can fit with rat with rationality a little bit better. You can be, you know, a rational mystic in, in a certain sort well, of sense. Yeah. It helps us save that baby that yeah. has been thrown out by uh, modernity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, all, most of the, most of the hard sciences have found themselves at the edge of that mystery, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Quantum physics is at a point where, you know, they're kind of putting their hands up and say, I, hell if I know, yeah. <laughs> but it's cool, right? Oh, it's dark energy. It's dark matter. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It might be that. something like that. Yep. Well, I'm glad we got that all straightened out. <laughs> Thank you, Father John, for yeah. joining us at Advent and the Christmas season. And uh, Corey, uh, I'll get to you in a second. There's one, one thing I want to check in on. But uh, Father John, uh, Father John Foreman, is there a place where we can go and get your sermons or a website or anything if we want more? Or Yeah, there's, you can go to our, the church's website, which, I mean, if you just Google St. Elizabeth Burien, Washington, it'll, it'll be there. And, uh, B-U-R-I-O-N. I-E-N. B-U-R-I-E-N, Washington. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and of course, come and see us if you're around, if yeah. you're in town. Um, and your sermons are beautiful. Uh, well, thank really, you very much. Really beautiful, John. And I encourage people to check them out, actually. So, yeah. Merry well, Christmas. This was, this was just a tremendous opportunity. And it's just really, really good to see you, my friend. I've yes, missed indeed. you a lot. Yeah, likewise. So <laughs> come back and talk to us yep. again. Okay. All right. And Corey. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. This is our last um, yeah, man. Uh, show of the season, and it's been a good season. We've I've really enjoyed doing this more regularly. I've I've absolutely loved this, Jeff. Um, you know, I've told you many times. Yeah, I, I love the format that we're doing. Um, I love working with you. You are you know one of my favorite people and one of my best friends. Uh, um, and this has just been so valuable for me and, and yeah. so tremendously you know rewarding in so many different ways and yeah. uh, just thank you for everything that you do for you know as john says bringing your gifts to the world and uh yeah. you know be a uh, considerably darker world without them so oh, well thank, thank you it's a privilege to do so and uh, so you have a good christmas planned here for little evelyn and so yes evelyn now, now what four years old five four years old she turns five in january oh uh, nice. Yeah, so this will be a big Christmas for her. Yeah, this will be a big one. Yeah, I see you got all the stockings hung by the chimney with care. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we have three weeks off, and um, we will uh, have the What Now conference as part of that. 
That's right. And that's uh, starting on the Friday before New Year's. And that's the 29th. Okay. Yep. And then we have New Year's Eve. It's here in uh, Denver. It's in Broomfield at the Omni Center. Uh, if you um, still want to register, here's a code where you can get $100 off. And it's WNEB110. WNEB110. Uh, and otherwise, uh, if you need a last-minute Christmas uh, gift, uh, what uh, Integral Life has all kinds of wonderful things that are really quite good. For, yeah, uh, yeah, and for, we're going to be sending out. This is the first time this year where we actually have uh, uh, Integral Life gift certificates. So if you want to buy membership for someone, um, it's a great way to do it. Or if you want to buy a web course for someone, uh, it's a great way to do it. I'll probably be sending an email out about that this weekend, most likely. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you in the new year on January 8th. Take awesome. Care. All right. Yep. Blessings to you both. You too, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. That was great, John. Thank you, man. Good. Yeah, yeah. my pleasure. We'll, yeah. Hopefully, we'll do it again. Yes, we'll do it again. There's all lots to talk about. But I thought that was a really nicely balanced Good. Talk and um, you know, I want to keep it to 40 minutes. We yep. went over by a few, but who cares? That's the beauty. <laughs> All right, my friend, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. You too, Jeff. All, All right. right, happy Christmas. Bye. Happy Christmas. Bye.